had to shake my head. Buckle up. You are listening to Musicians and Beyond with Sarabian and Lawhorn, where we bring you the backstage info on the life, lyrics, and long journeys of the music industry. Mark, how's how come, your summer going? How come you always get to the, to the intro? Because, uh, I, just, I don't know, just I because. Know. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Well, I guess, I don't know. Well, What's going on with you? Mark, not a hell of a lot, buddy. It's, uh, it's great to have you back in the studio with us. For episode number 62, we got an incredible guest later on, but our last episode, episode 61, what a wild ride that was with Ernie Sheffaloo. You know, Ernie's always an interesting character, and it's been great covering his career and his, all the topics that he brings up, but it's also great just sitting and listening to him because he can tell such amazing stories of his history going through the uh, music industry and the advertising world. Yeah, yeah, he goes on and on and on. I don't know if you heard that, Ernie, but you go on and on and on. <laughs> but it's wonderful listening to him, and it's great that he entrusts us to tell the world a story. Yeah, I love it. I you love know? that he, he sits down and hangs out with us, and, oh, there's, there's something I remember. Yeah, it's it's really cool. The one, So last episode we talked about he did this um, project with – so he's the original designer of the Rolling Stones tongue – as well as 250-plus other album covers, including uh, Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, the Bee Gees, Sha Na Na, all kinds of big-name things. But he told us about this Rolling Stones painting that he did, and he lost it. Actually, he misplaced it. Yeah, and you know, for our audience and those that are Rolling Stone fans, if you are a collector, Ernie will be putting his things up uh, soon. Uh, he'll have a catalog of stuff that that's for sale, and that painting, which is one of it's a, it's an original, and it's a, what did he say like twenty five by thirty six something somewhere around. Yeah, there. it's a pretty good sized painting, yeah. and it's 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 signed by Ernie, and it's uh, it is an original uh, design of his that he did for the Rolling Stones. That's that's going to be quite a collectible. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, and he lost that or, or misplaced it for fifty three years, and he found it like a month ago. Yeah. by mistake. Yeah. Uh, hey, Great mistake. Yeah. And then he also goes on and tells us all about his uh, co-workers that have made him so successful, and he praises them really hard. Yeah, it's like what I love about Ernie. You know, I mean, all of the things that he did, he, he likes to consider himself sort of like the maestro of the orchestra, but the real talent is sitting in, in the uh, seats and playing the instruments. That's what he, he says about his people, his the staff and the, the partners that he worked with over the years, uh, what made him successful, uh, yep. their talents. Yeah, yeah, he's a real humble guy. Yeah. And speaking of humble, we got a guy in studio today, Dean Ford. And Dean is the mastermind behind a Prince tribute band called Dean Ford and the Beautiful Ones. And then he also has another band, it's Dean Ford, and he just put an album out not too long ago. He's very successful, so I think without further ado, Mark. Let's listen and hear from Dean Ford. Let's welcome Dean. Hey, Dean, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. What's going on? Not too much. Dude, we've been working on this for a while to get together with you. You're a busy guy. Yeah, I know. It feels like it's been... Uh, at least a year trying to get this to happen. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, so it's been a year in the making. Uh, you know, we met over a year ago. You and I were out with Blue Macaulay and yeah. Pat Badger from Extreme, and we had met and kind of hit it off. And, uh, you know, I, I did a little research on you and totally impressed by your abilities and, and everything that you're doing. 
Thank you. That's very, very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. Well, it's the least we can say. Um, you got two things going on, really. You have the Prince Tribute Band, yep. and that is Dean Ford and the Beautiful Ones. Yep. And then you also have correct. your own project, Dean Ford. Awesome. Awesome. In the Dean Ford, you just released an album. I did. I released a six track EP. Um, my first in about 10 years or something like that. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And it's doing very well. I understand. It seems to be doing all right. It's yeah. It's nice to um, step back into those shoes and have it not completely just fall apart. Yeah. And Blue Macaulay was your producer on that. Yep. Yeah, he, um, what a character he is. He's really amazing all around. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's the best. He's one of my favorite people to collaborate with, and just one of my favorite people in general. Yeah, and that was recorded where? At Ice Station Zebra with Ducky Carlisle? Um, that was recorded kind of all over the place. Yep. Um, we did some of it through Zoom where he'd be in California, I'd be in my house, um, and, I went to Boston to do some stuff with him. So, and that, I think we worked on that for on and off for about two years and it just kind of ended up turning into what it did. Yeah. And it it sounds fantastic. You got two hits on it so far. You got VHS and you got crazy maker. Thank you. Yeah. uh, VHS I wrote on my own and the other five songs I did with him and he, he mixed everything and at least co-produced everything. Um, and pretty much, yeah. Hey, Dean, it's Mark uh, of the Lahon and Sarabians. I'm Mark Lahon. Um, where are you based out of? Uh, I am based in Southern Maine. Okay. How, how'd you end up getting into music? Uh, kind of the, the way most people do. Like you're, um, uh, most people that I've heard anyway, it's the, the typical um, digging through your parents' record collection <laughs> story. Um, I'd go down in the basement or the attic, wherever they were, and based on what the album cover looked like, would kind of determine whether or not I would put it on the turntable (laughs) or would just put it back. Excellent. Judging um, books by covers. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I still do, like whether it's with movies or music, if it looks like. If I don't like what the album cover looks like or it looks boring, I tend to pass it up, which sometimes works opposite because one of my favorite records happens to be all white and one of my other favorite records happens to be all black. (laughs) Very simple. (laughs) So what was the first instrument you picked up? Uh, Well, the first instrument I picked up literally was um, like one of those. So my kind of along the same lines of how I got into music. My, my parents were never really musicians, but um, they had one of those 80s, like everybody got them for Christmas, the um, the red Casio guitar, yeah. which had like Last Christmas by Wham as a preset in there. <laughs> so that was the first instrument I picked up and um, just kind of bashed my fingers on to make sounds. And then um, my first real instrument that I started playing was guitar. And then drums. And then I found my way back to keyboards. Excellent. So let's talk about your Prince tribute. There's a gazillion tributes out there. Why did you pick Prince to do? Um, Well, I one, I never intended on being a tribute artist. That kind of just happened. Um, Basically, long story as short as I can make it. um, 
Prince is my favorite artist and has pretty much always been my favorite artist for as long as I can remember. I like a lot of different artists and I would probably say at least 20 of them are my favorite artists. But um, he's the one that I always connected with the most um, for so many reasons. And uh, in Portland, Maine, in like it was either 2010 or 2011, around there, um, there were a couple of cover nights in town. There was one night which was like a strict cover night. It was called Clash of the Titans. And basically, there'd be two bands that go head to head. One would be the Rolling Stones and the other one would be the Beatles. And um, they do like uh, six to eight songs. One band goes up, they do one song. The other band goes up, they do one song and they switch off like that. And then the winner is determined by applause at the end of the night. And there was another cover night in town called Cover to Cover, which was an original act would do two sets of music they would pick an album of their choosing and play it in its entirety but they would open the night with a set of their original music and so me being overzealous and over sure of myself wanted to do something that everybody else was afraid of and i wanted to do something that really connected with me so i chose to do a cover to cover because i was releasing um something back then and uh, I chose Purple Rain. And it just so happened that that same week they had scheduled a Prince versus Beck clash. <laughs> and so I reached out to them and it was like, hey, I'm already learning the songs. I already have a band together. We're doing this the week before. Can we just do both of them because if you have somebody else do it it could take away from my crowd i could take away from their crowd um and i'm already learning the songs so i ended up doing both of them they were a lot of fun they were a lot of work um they went really well and it was one of those things where at the end of the night we're like wow that was so good why should we just stop doing this and never do it again because it feels like a waste so i did it here and there and here and there and then i got the bug to take it out on the road and then started doing that and that snowballed into basically something much larger and more serious than i had anticipated and then my original music kind of took a back seat for a while because when you're learning 20 to 50 songs written and performed by somebody on that caliber you really have to do it as close to right as possible yeah. because it's a tall order. Short guy, but a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not only do you sound like them, but you it, it's an experience to see Dean Ford and the Beautiful Ones. You sound like them, you look like them, and the band is very authentic. And you have even, if I'm correct, you've had Matt yep. Dr. Fink, who was in Prince's Real Band, as your keyboardist. Yeah, um, I played with him a couple of times um, and he and I have become, we, we keep in touch all the time. Um, that was cool. That was really cool. Cause that was one of, again, when I was younger, I was extremely ambitious and kind of had this wacky mindset where I was like, well, if I want something, I can get it. I can make it happen. Um, that's kind of been put into check a little bit since, <laughs> but um I randomly, I don't remember why, but I randomly, uh, for one reason or another, I tweeted him 
and was just like, hey, I'm doing a Halloween show on this day. Um, I see that you're in a Prince tribute band because he was playing in a Prince tribute band at the time. And uh, it was like, if you're available, I would love to fly you out to Portland to do this show. And I think a week or two later, he responded and was like, yeah, okay." I was like, okay. <laughs> if you don't take the sure. shot, you'll never know. All right. Yeah. And um, and then I think we did the, I played with him two or three other times um, over the next few years. And um, that was, that was so cool. Like just that first experience of, um, you know, hanging out with the guy. And he, he played with Prince longer than anybody else oh, really? did. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to say he was in his band for about 12 years might have been seven i don't know it the longest don't quote me on that i could be totally wrong <laughs> um but uh i know he was at least in the band through like the very beginning all the way through love sexy or batman so like up to at least um 89 yeah i think prince is uh, a rock and, god and it must have been pretty surreal to play with someone in his band oh yeah and to to hear the stories straight from somebody who was there um and yeah that that was so cool yeah it's a so cool. little background for you I, I i keep in touch with a friend from high school uh we were friends way back when and we see each other on facebook and maybe down i went to bonspell high down the cape so keith rosary was um everyone's karate instructor on cape cod when we were in high school he started his own dojo and 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 had things going on pretty early in life and he went out to la and became Prince's bodyguard for a long time. So he's worked with okay. some of the guys, but he he the stories he tells of Prince and and yeah, um, pretty incredible to have that kind of exposure to someone like that. Loves him, absolutely loves that, him. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that that's so cool. What's your process like of getting into character? What's that take? Oh, uh, it's see that is tricky because, and I actually had to talk to my band about this recently, not because of them, but because of I I need some help. So one thing I run into a lot is I, I have crazy anxiety and um, I will be like the whole day of a show. If you don't know where I am, you know where I am. I'm outside pacing around in circles, drinking highly caffeinated drinks and chain smoking cigarettes, um, okay. <laughs> which only makes it worse. But um, that's what I do. And uh so we don't have a crew. We don't have roadies. We don't have technicians. We just have ourselves, which is a five or six piece band, depending on the um, the date. And so we do everything. We set up the whole show and we carry all of our equipment, mostly like all the microphones, all the microphone stands, all the cables. Everything is in-house and set up by us, which ends up being easier because like our in-ear monitors are all mixed. It's basically set it and forget it. So once we're set up, we're good to go. It's a very quick sound check on our end, but it's a lot of work. Um, we unload the whole van. We get everything on the stage. We set up the stage. And while that's happening, I'm down in the green room, setting up the wardrobe, steaming my clothes, doing my makeup running back and forth from doing that and chain smoking. And um, so then by the time we get to sound check, we usually have about, and this changes, but ideally we have about an hour to doors and then we have an hour to show. And that's when people like to bother me. Oh yeah, That's when the venue, the, in, God love them, but that's when the venue starts knocking on my door, asking me questions. 
Like it's that hour before showtime when everybody is like, um, we need Dean. We need to know about this and what about this and about this and about this. And it's just like, okay, I need a minute to kind of go from, I can't be Dean when I go on stage. I have to be something that people believe is something else. And so it takes a minute to go from the, I'm also the driver. I drive the van. Um, So it takes a minute to go from the driver to a roadie, to a sound engineer, to the guy doing all the clothes, to the makeup artist, back to the front man. So I've had to make a rule that like hour before a show, leave me alone. And 15 minutes before a show, knock on the door and let me know it's 15 minutes and then five minutes and so on. So when I'm able, I know this is a longer answer than- No, that's great. It's it's a great process to go through. (laughs) Um, So basically in an ideal world, I prepare for it by, um, I'll put on Purple Rain in my earbuds and I'll I do I'll sing along to it in a corner while I chain smoke. And um that's pretty much how I get it because everybody knows that Prince was a chain smoker. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't smoke. Um but yeah, I'll do like vocal warm-ups and just like look in a mirror and make stupid facial expressions and just try to um get into that character that said i don't really do an impression like i don't talk like him i don't like i know there are some tribute artists who like will do a british accent if their person did that or they'll try to sound like them i don't even do that because that's not me um but as far as like it'd be hard for a guy from portland to sound like he's from detroit i mean I don't really sound like I'm from Maine either. <laughs> like I don't I don't think I have much of a Maine accent. Um it comes out. It comes out especially if I go like a yacht or something, but aside from the yacht, yeah, I don't really have it, thankfully. Um I don't have the ka thing. I I say my r's. Um but you know, I can do the impression if I wanted to. Yeah, I we can't say the to. same in our end. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, that's awesome. No, so you definitely get in character, though. Like, when you're up there, we were watching videos before you zoomed in, and we're like, this guy is like, you could close your eyes and you'd think Prince is up there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it really happens during the Let's Go Crazy speech. Like, that's the moment when I go on stage, and I, it's so specific. You have to do that a certain way, and I think in that speech is kind of when I feel like I go from one to the other. And, you know, I don't think I ever necessarily nail it, but I can get close. Yeah. And sometimes. then at the end of the show, how do you get back to Dean? I rip everything off. And if I don't have a show the next day, I immediately shave the mustache off, um, wipe all the makeup off. Just the second I'm off stage, this is gone. Yeah. Like I'm back into normal clothes. Um, my, yeah, I very... I, I've had to do that because like there are there have been times that it just when you're doing a persona, it's very easy for it to blur into your actual self. And so I've, I used to stay in costume and do all the meet and greets and stuff for like an hour or whatever after. But I kind of had to stop doing that the second I'm done the show. I got to transition right back to who I am and just chill. It's interesting and also inspirational that you said that you have an anxiety issue. 
So that's pretty inspirational to our young listeners that want to be musicians that may have an anxiety issue as well. I mean, getting in front of a crowd takes a special kind of person as it is. I mean, to this day, I've, I've been performing on stages since I was 11 years old. Um, and I'm 33 now. So while I've been doing it and, um, I still get stage fright every single, every single show. If I don't have stage fright, something's wrong. Um, I always get nervous right up until like song three. I'm sometimes I'm still like shaky from adrenaline. Um, and it's usually by the time we get to 1999 that I, by the time the song's over is when I've cooled down and I'm comfortable and I'm ready to go. So it's like those first 15 minutes are just uh, just trying to make sure I don't mess up and all that stuff. Yeah. Stage fright, man. And that's one of the reasons I love wearing makeup and I love wearing costumes because when you're wearing a disguise, it's easier to let, you know, let go of the inhibitions and and yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you're wearing the loudest outfit in the room, <laughs> like you kind of have to be the craziest person there. And if you, like, it makes it easier. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get, ask anybody that I've ever worked with. I, I get so fidgety, so just overwrought with crazy emotions every single time I do a gig. Interesting. And Dean Ford as a everyday guy, how would you describe yourself? Are you prince-like or are you more uh, reserved? Well, so that's the thing. That that kind of goes back to what I was saying. I didn't know the guy. I never met him. Um, but I do know that he, I've heard that um, he was a shy dude sometimes. And other times he wasn't. I'm a very quiet, shy, to myself person. Um, and when I'm on stage, I'm the complete opposite. Absolutely. And I... I wanted you to confirm what my thoughts were because you and I had gone out to dinner and I said to Mark, I go, he's really a gentleman. He's quiet. Thank you. And then he gets on stage. He's like totally different. Kind of reminds me a lot of the way Gary Sharon is. Okay. He's just more of a laid back guy and then gets on stage and he's just a a total musical animal. And yeah, uh, I mean, I've noticed most people that I know um, throughout my life and my career who do what I do, with the exception of a very small few, are kind of like that. Like most of the front men that I know, um, they're very awkward people. Mm -hmm. And um, when you get to know them or when they're forced out of their shell, it's different. But like most of the people that I've known are very very quiet and very soft-spoken and um the people i've talked to that don't experience that are always confused by that because mm. it's like well you're just a nerd you like how are you like this in real life but then you're like that on stage i'm like it's more typical than than you'd imagine <laughs> um but that said i do know some wild wild singers who in their real life are even more wild than what you see on stage. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. They're out there. Let me ask yeah. you, Dean, mm-hmm. it, between the tribute band and it's Dean Ford, is there any bleed over between your bands? Same band. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least right now it is. Uh, yeah. Exact same band. Um, unless one of our keyboardists can't make it um, because like, like one, one of my keyboard players plays with everybody. He's He's kind of 
Um, he just loves gigging. So if we're um, if our calendar is not booked up, he's going to be the first one to do that. Um, but yeah, for, unless we have to get a sub, it's the same band. It's just easier that way yeah. for me anyway, because um, when you get used to playing with a certain group of people, um, even if the players are really good, if you're not used to playing with them, it's it's a different thing. Like you you start learning whether or not you realize it when you play with these people all the time, you, you're learning their like um, it, everything about what makes them a player and it rubs off on you. You rub off on them and you start to really gel. So it was pretty important to me to use the same band. Yeah. So it's for, a good for, band. It's a good band. They are Absolutely. a good band. Very, very uh, well-oiled machine you got there. They are incredible. Just the fact that I get to stand in the middle of them and make them sound worse is so, <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. Well, you're a humble guy. Uh, so for our listeners, you are listening to Lawhorn and Serbians, Musicians and Beyond. And we are sitting here chatting with Dean Ford from his wonderful Prince tribute band. It's called the Dean Ford and the Beautiful Ones. And you can find out information on them at www.beautifulonesband.com. And then Dean also has his own band. And you can find out about them. It's deanford.com. So make sure you follow them, check them out, download buy some merch, and uh, go and see him and support his wonderful music. Yeah, I think the audience will be really uh, interested in seeing the transformation because uh, when you when you used to watching you as, as Prince on stage and you watch a video and then you see you in person, it's like, wow. <laughs> you see your, your metamorphosis on, on stage is absolutely incredible. I would think I was watching Prince himself. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty you. incredible. And your mannerisms and everything you do up there, it, it, it's very eerily reminiscent of watching him on stage i appreciate that that that's very kind oh i was just gonna say um yeah the the going back to when you were asking why i chose to do the prince thing um i think the the real the main reason why i chose to do it in the beginning was because i so around the time that i did that I was coming out of another band called uh, Goodnight Process, which was kind of like a, it was a power pop band. It was very Beatles, Jellyfish, that kind of thing. And um, we did the, we had the, the silly hair, not wigs, but the, like the, the, I had a really bad bowl cut and um, we wore the skinny ties and the black suits. And uh, then we played one show and I always played a Telecaster, which was, it looked similar to the guitar that Prince played. Um, the band broke up. We did one show. I cut all my hair off and I started wearing eyeliner. And um, well, I had always worn eyeliner. I kind of stopped doing it for the goodnight process thing. And then I started wearing it again. Um, and a bunch of people at the end of the show were like, you look so much like Prince. You move so much like Prince. You sound so much like Prince. And I was like, I never thought of that before. Interesting. Not once did that ever occur to me. Um, and then I thought about it was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like I've watched Purple Rain. I don't know how many times I've seen so many of his videos live or official videos. And it just was there, I guess. And so, yeah, I'll, I don't think I look like him, but um, 
I have seen some videos of me playing where I'll move a certain way or I'll do a certain thing with my face. I'm like, oh, that's really weird. Because <laughs> I, wa- I watch those videos and it, I don't even know it's me sometimes. Like, n- I don't think it's him if I watch a video, but I don't think it's me if I watch a video. It's something in between, I guess. Um, so you went from, you know, listening to their music in the basement and, and going through their record albums and, and uh, to stepping on stage. And pr- what was it? What was it like the first time they saw you on stage as Prince? Um, well, I, there are parts of the show they don't like. <laughs> um, there are parts of the show that they will either take a restroom break or they just <laughs> won't look at it. That's funny. And. And those parts of the show have, have they've been tamed down. Um, but I don't I don't know exactly. Um my my dad's a tough cookie to crack, um, but you can tell when he likes something. Um my mom loves everything I do. So Of course. You know, yeah. it, <laughs> you can't you can't I, I can't really gauge that, but I, I I know the first time that they saw it, they were they told me they were blown away and um they've they've been to so many of my shows i to this day they still come out and see me which i tell them you guys have definitely reached your quota you don't (laughs) have to keep you don't have to keep coming out no more free Um, tickets mom (laughs) they won't they won't they won't let me put them on the guest list they will not they won't let my father has never even if i try to give him a comp ticket he he'll buy like 15 he won't <laughs> i'm not kidding like he will not let me put him I on the it. guest list well he's your number one fan there's nothing wrong with that yeah you know so let's talk about your own band the uh dean ford sure you you said that um you started with your own music and that took a back seat for many years as you did you went on to do the tribute band what brought what was it about <laughs> wanting to get back to your own stuff that that got you there um oh there's a lot to that uh it's funny because a few years ago i th- well so the big thing that did it was just that there was a moment during 2020 um where you know like everybody i didn't really have anything to do and um, I was getting burnt out from traveling so much with the print show. And I was getting burnt out from just doing the same thing all the time and not, like I said before, it's very easy for the persona to bleed over and you kind of lose something about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think I had for a while and yeah, there's a lot to this um, for a while. I had been getting burnt out. I love doing it. I've always loved doing it, but I do all the driving and um, we do a lot of driving and I was given an opportunity to take a break from it where it was totally fine that I took a break from it. I didn't lose anything and I could just sit there with myself and just stop for a second. And I realized I play so much music that I never want to play music. I am performing so often that when I'm home, all I want to do is watch horror movies. I don't want to touch a guitar. Um, I don't want to sing. I don't want to do anything that is related to music. I don't even take my guitar out of my van. Like it'll sit there, not anymore, but um, it would just, all my gear would just sit in my van 
until the next show. I wouldn't even touch it. And finally, I wanted to play music again. And I, this is going to sound terrible, but I, um, I deleted every print song off of my Spotify. Um, I did not listen to Prince for a year. And not because I don't love Prince, not because anything about that changed. It's just I needed a break. And so I started listening to very different kinds of music just to change everything for a minute. And then I started just playing guitar for the sake of playing guitar and playing piano for the sake of playing piano, playing instruments and singing just to mess around. And then songs started coming again and more songs started coming again and like songs that I was excited about. Um, I was like, okay, I can do this again. I kind of forgot that I was a songwriter because I hadn't written any. The last song that I wrote was in 2013 and I just had not I, like here and there I'd write something, but I just forgot that part of me existed and I thought it was kind of dead. And now I was just a performer, which is fine. Um, but that first song I wrote kind of triggered something and I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to force myself to write a song every four days. And so I did it and did it and did it and did it. And, and I got kind of bored of writing alone. Um, this is during COVID. So I was very, very, very alone. Um, just sitting in this room by myself all hours of the night alone working on music. And so I decided similarly to what I did with Dr. Fink, I slipped into blues DMS on Instagram and um, he said he was down to collaborate and we got on the phone. And then a few months later we started working on songs and so I was going to ask you how you got involved with Blue. So you never knew him before that blind DM? I what I had um I had never met him. Um I had tweeted him years ago when I was in that power pop band that I was talking about. Um and we had communicated very briefly back then. So like I I I knew about him since I was in middle school um and I was a fan of his music since then um and um yeah i i think i i stumbled on one of his more recent releases that i hadn't heard before and i was like oh man this is so good and this is very much up my alley i'm just gonna randomly message the dude because i know no one's really doing anything right now um and everybody's trying to do things right now so maybe because he has said in the past back in like 2010 He'd love to collaborate, so maybe he'd like to collaborate 10 years later. Yeah, you took him and up on it. That's great that you took a shot, and it really worked out good for you. It, it worked out better than I was anticipating. And, um, yeah, yeah, like he and I just, I, I really like how we work together. I like the stuff that we come up with. It's just great, great experience. Yeah, it's interesting watching him behind the computer while he's, uh, you know, tweaking everything. It's He's oh, I've truly learned, the I've maestro. Learned. I have learned so much from from working with him, just the speed that he works. Everything about it is so inspiring. The fact that it goes from basically nothing to a fully produced, almost fully mixed 
thing in like two days is insane and it definitely I think after the first song that we did together it just it lit a fire under me and i just started writing a bunch of my own mm-hmm. and that was when i did vhs because i was feeling so much inspiration from that and um yeah no it was great great so, so the album that you guys produced together and you wrote and all of that uh what, what's the name of that album uh dream fever Okay. And on that album, this is a loaded question. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do not have a least favorite. Um, I guess technically I do if I have a favorite, um, but I, I love the whole thing. My favorite is probably VHS. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you right now, this is a good time to take a quick little break. We're going to let our listeners listen to Dean Ford with VHS.
That was Dean Ford with VHS from his newly released album. Dean, can you give us a uh, background on that, how you wrote that and your inspiration for it? Um, There's a lot of inspiration for that. That is the most personal song on the EP. Um, was lyrically heavily influenced by um, a true story. Um, the concept of having a not necessarily a high school sweetheart, but somebody that you're sweet on in high school. And then years later, you realize that that person also had a thing for you. And then you end up together. And so that is kind of what happened and kind of what inspired the lyric to that song. The title VHS came from two things. Um, I listened to a horror movie podcast from my like a very good friends of mine. Um, it's called Speak All Evil. And uh, they talk a lot about 80s horror movies and 80s horror movies that are on VHS. And every single episode, they say they say something about VHS. So it just became this thing that I was hearing about all the time. Um, VHS, 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 VHS. And then... Um, when I was working with Blue on a song, he started telling me that he was on a VHS kick and was really into VHS tapes. And so it just was in my head. And I sat down, started writing this song that is when I write, I tend to start with the vibe and just, um, you know, I'll figure out a drum groove and I'll just jam to it until I find a sound I like and a vibe that I like and a chord progression that I like. And um, then sometimes the melody will come. And uh, with this song, I came up with the melody with the hook, the, uh, the VHS part. And I was like, I got it. I got it. This sounds like something that would be called VHS. The rhythm fits perfectly for VHS. And so that then I was like, what am I going to write about, though? And then that's where the the um, story of the high school sweetheart and all that stuff is rewind, fast forward, pause, and all that stuff. And it was fun, super fun to write that song. That's cool. Let me ask you, how many songs have you written since the pandemic? And is there another album going to be coming out soon? Um, I have, so the six songs on the EP... Um, I recorded another six song EP, which has not been released. Um, and I think I wrote at least 20 something other songs. Um, and I'm going to be writing some more. So um, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. I like it. Now, when you changed your Spotify list and started listening, what what do you think, uh, what was the most influential through that process? What were you listening to that got you back into yourself and, and helped you refine and, and rediscover who you were? Um, the album that really struck a chord with me was um, I Disagree by Poppy because it was crazy. It's like I... I had heard things like it before, but never exactly like that. Because it, it's basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's there's a lot of jellyfish in there. Um, 
there's also a lot of grind core and a lot of heavy, heavy metal. Um, and then there's some J pop and it's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And the way that they did that was like, okay, cool. This is really cleansing my palate. This is very much just like going from print and Prince did some crazy stuff, but, um, that album was really what kind of got me. Um, I, li- I think I listened to it like the first time I heard it, I listened to it five times in a row. Um, because I kept discovering new things about it. And, um, I was like, I want to do something like this, but maybe not this crazy. Cause it's like, I heard it and it was an out, uh, amalgamation, whatever the word is of, um, it was a Frankenstein of everything that I loved. I was like, I kind of want to do that. I kind of just want to mess around and I really like heavy music. So a lot of the songs that I've written that are not out yet are, they're not heavy, heavy, but they're barely they they could be called metal to some degree um but yeah that was what really got me inspired again and then i went down like a a crazy metal thing for a while um and kind of swore off funk music for a minute um and just listened to very heavy stuff and a lot of the cure okay and a lot of nine inch nails that was kind of where my head was at for the duration of 2020. That's funny. We just had a guest on recently, uh, Derek Randall, and he was a heavy metal guy who got into country. So now his country is heavily influenced by heavy metal. And it's really interesting stuff to listen to. It's so different than anything you'll hear anywhere else in country music. And uh, it's got a really cool vibe to it. So I like how that, that you can bring it into different, different worlds and have it influence that. That's pretty cool. Totally. And I feel that, I mean, the, if you, if you haven't heard the new Avenged Sevenfold record, whoa, dude, it's crazy. Like every, everything, every genre doesn't exist anymore. It's like every, and all of them exist at once. Like what I'm seeing from a lot of acts is just cross pollinating everything. Like if you, like, there's no reason why um, you a pop act just has to be pop now. There's no there's no reason why any of these genre specific things need to be genre specific. It's kind of been thrown out the window. Um, and I love that because my ta- if I showed you my record collection, like none of it makes sense, but to me <laughs> it makes perfect sense, dude. It, so like my my guitar player, we were listening to it and he called it. Um, Avenge Sinatra fold. Because <laughs> um, it's like, it's Avenge Sevenfold, but there's a little bit of, there's a little Sinatra, there's a little Daft Punk, there's a little Rush. There's, it, it's, shouldn't make sense, um, but it does. <laughs> it's, re- I love it. You might hate it, but I, I, I love it. I'll be it, listening to it on the way home. Absolutely. It's crazy. It, the whole thing. You got to listen through the whole thing because it's just one piece. Well, what, what um, we like about doing the show also is that, you know, being introduced to one musician or one band or one form of music, like right now, you just talked about something else. And so it opens the door for another avenue to go down. Um, so while we like it and our audience, the, the ability to hear from people like you and musicians around, it's also good to hear and be exposed to other types of music as well. That's great. Yeah, that that's how I feel too. 
for okay. sure. Right. You got it. Dean, when you first started writing music, do you remember your first song? Uh, I don't remember my first. Do I? <laughs> I don't. I don't remember my first song that I ever wrote. I remember writing my first song. I, I was at my um my mother's mother's house um taking a shower and I, I was probably four or five years old. I, I was in the shower and I just started humming the song and throughout the course of me being in the shower, I wrote this entire song. And I got dressed, ran downstairs and sang it to my mom. I don't remember it at all. I'm glad I don't remember it. <laughs> um, because I do remember the first song I ever recorded when I was 10 or 11 years old, it, ever recorded prof professionally. Um, it was called Confused. And it was terrible. Um, the, one of the, I, I wrote it when I was in like my first garage band um, and uh, it was, the, the band was called odds are, and the song was called confused. And um, let me just see if I can remember one of the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> I'm not running very far. I feel just like a bug in a jar. I just want to fly away every night and day. And the chorus was, I've been so confused. I just blew a fuse. I've been so confused ever since I lost you. So uh -huh. you're welcome. All right. <laughs> Taking us back. Old school. Old school. So so we're talking yeah. with Dean Ford. And Dean, we're really excited about everything that's going on in your life. You have a lot going on. You're very busy. You're on the verge of some huge, successful endeavors. And we love that you took time and came on with us today. Oh, I love being here, man. Thank you for asking me to do this. I'm glad that we finally got to do it. Yeah, it's yeah absolutely. It's been a long time in the making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you come in uh, and talk with us. I, I know that uh, the folks listening at home will be very happy to hear from you. Um, and thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on and being our friend today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being our friend. He had to just repeat. Thank exactly you for being my friend. <laughs> <laughs>